Frazemaker goes over the top and Victoria win by four wickets. He finishes convincingly with a lovely lofted on drive for four. He finishes 38 not out. It was a match winning knock by the young 18 year old that has dragged his side over the line for a vital maximum points win over their bitter arch rivals, the New South Wales Blues. A very warm welcome to you all. My name is Matt Ellis and joining me as always for the Cricket Library Weekly, Robbie McKinlay. Welcome back. G'day, Matty. How are you, mate? I'm I'm very well, but it has been a, a long week in the library. We're, we're a weekly podcast, but I... I think mm. it feels like about twelve days since Is it 12 days? since our last recording. So, oh, uh, <laughs> apologies to right. those of you who set your watch off when the uh, Cricket Library Weekly yeah. is released. Um, we um, we'll let you down there. Interested to get feedback on that, whether that's a positive or a negative. Yeah, well, I, I figure no feedback's good feedback. Uh, yeah. Didn't yeah. receive any yeah. faxes, telegrams, or letters suggesting we should get our act together we have been waiting though for tonight and we're hoping to be celebrating tonight australia playing new zealand in in the t20 and i tell you what i was when dr sams had a couple of early wickets for australia i was up and about but i'm a bit flat now robbie i think what we do we've got three wickets in the first four overs and it was looking pretty good but then um south african born Devin Conway. Yes. Uh, 99 not out or 59 balls. Matty, he was on 98 with one ball to go and he got a low full toss outside off stump and he squirted it to deep cover. They couldn't get back to two. So he joins the 99 not out club. Good evening, G.A. Hick, if you're listening, or Michael Klinger. Oh, oh yeah. That was a well, shield game, Michael Klinger. Matt, at a different level, um, I'm going to put my hand up. I'm in that club as well. You're kidding. Yeah, I got myself a 99 not out, and there were two balls left in the game. I was on strike, and I got called through for a leg by. No! And I don't know why I ran. I feel to this day, I don't know why I ran. So I sat with the non-strikers in and watched the last ball get bowled. <laughs> so yeah, we'd already won the game. Things were good. Uh... And I thought, geez, we could just celebrate here with a ton. Anyway, so I feel for you, um, Devin Conway. And just on Devin Conway. Yeah. Matty, you're our, you're our resident stats guru. I know you get fed well by Matt and Jack out of the library and Peter. Yeah. But I would assume Devin, what was the last one? Devin Malcolm, the West Indian, played international cricket. Oh, Devin Malcolm, nine for 57 against South Africa back in oh, back in the 90s. It yep. was He was incredible. Really quick bowler. But I think you're forgetting our man from the West Indies, Robbie. No, I just said him. Devin Malcolm. No, no. Devin Sheldon Smith. Oh, 43 cool. tests for the West Indies. High score. Yeah. I, I think he only made the 100. Oh, just over, just over 100. Yeah. So he, I, okay. I, they're, the Sorry, only, they're the only three Devons I can think of that have played international cricket in recent times. But, Robbie, yeah. I, I've got an interesting tale from when I was playing junior cricket. Oh, don't tell me you were 99 not out no, too. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I've never had that issue. But yeah. I, I was trialling for the Green Shield uh, team in Sydney at North Sydney. And I got given uh, the information from Nick Smith, who lived two doors up. He said, yeah. go, go down to North Sydney Oval number two and, and make yourself known and, and ask to see Devon. And I'm like, yep, no problems. And so I go and I, I see Devon. And um, for weeks, turning up to the trials and and playing and uh, trying to trying to put my name forward and uh, saying, "Oh yes, Devon, that's great, Devon." Anyway, the the team gets uh-huh. the, the team gets announced, and I'm I'm announced in the side. Um, and Devon is getting introduced to the group to announce the side. And I said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get Bevan." To announce <laughs> announce the teams, I'm thinking Bevan. Who's Bevan? Oh no! And so I'd been calling the oh. club president, chairman of selectors, Devon, and his name oh. was Bevan White. So apologies, Bevan. That was 
that was a misunderstanding, but thank you for That's uh, overlooking my error and still selecting me in the side. So that that um, oh. that gives me some confidence that my leg breaks were okay back then for him to overlook that. Yeah, right. Well, but but no one ever no one ever corrected me. I, no. I, I was referring to him as Devon to everyone. There's and, nothing and, worse uh, than that, is there? And We've I think, all done it. Oh, and I think I think people must have just thought I was saying Bevan, but wasn't pronouncing my B's very well. I I don't know, but anyway, yeah. well done to Devon Conway, ninety nine not out. Australia in reply, just not good enough. Robbie, all out one thirty one, and no. just couldn't get across the line. Yeah, hard to take. I, well, I guess let's look. We're both very positive people, so let's let's talk about Mitch Marsh, oh. um, who. Who really is hitting the ball very hard? He was the standout, wasn't he? Oh, um, absolutely. Forty-five, I think it was forty-eight. And then uh, Aston Agar looked okay for a while, but other than that, and yeah, unfortunately, Glenn Maxwell and Marcus Stoinis. I know a lot of Victorians are always calling for them to be promoted, and they missed their missed their opportunity. But the good news is, there's another four games to go, and um, yeah, what a great turnout too in New Zealand with Hagley Oval and. A, was a great, well, a bit of a sombre occasion too because today was 10 years since the, um, that horrific Christchurch earthquake oh, yeah, where, which, where we lost 185 lives. And yeah, we really obviously think about our Kiwi friends and all those families involved in that. So yeah, but, and, but it was very, very well done, a great ceremony. And um, yeah, minute silence was held before the match started. But um, yeah, we're so lucky, Australia and New Zealand, that we have spectators go and watch sports. We're very, you know, because with the COVID thing. So, well done to the Kiwis. I'm sure we'll bounce back though. Matty, T20, as we know, it can be, you don't have to have too many bad overs and you're out of the game. And guess what, Robbie? A spinner did the damage. Four for 28 ish, Sodi. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the spinner's role in T20 cricket when it first started, everyone thought, oh, yeah, they're just going to be a. uh, an opportunity to hit them at whack, just keep whacking them out of the ground, keep the uh, spectators in, you know, in good spirits. But history now shows that the um, the spinners in T20 cricket are probably your most lethal weapon. Absolutely, Robbie. And we're going to be speaking to Jack Clifton. Well, I actually spoke to Jack Clifton, so you're going to be hearing my chat with Jack Clifton. And we'll be talking about another spinner that's been doing a bit of damage in the Sheffield Shield. Unfortunately, though, for New South Wales, not getting them over the line. So we'll take a quick quick break now and yep. then we'll be back with a chat with Jack Clifton who was down in Sydney calling the Sheffield Shield and he's a big fan of the Cricket Library. So I thought, why not get him on for a chat? Yeah, and a, and a great little, great commentator too, Jack. Good all-rounder. It's really good to see his opportunity, particularly on Fox too. So well done to Jack. Excellent. And the rest of the commentary team as well, um, Andrew Menzel, Paul Dennett, uh, been doing the shield there as well for a number of years, so good to see those. Oh, Gav Joshi, Gav Joshi, yeah. Gee, Gav, I love Gav's insight into the um, IPL the night before that on the the same afternoon. Yeah, the, of the IPL, and well, we might you could we, write a book about that event. Yeah, we might have a little chat about the IPL auction a little bit later on in the program, Robbie, because it was a bit yep. of a, a family viewing event at my house. Um, Aaron, Aaron Ellis believe, is very interested in that, actually. I Did I hear that you watched the replay of it? <laughs> we did. Wow. We sat down. So Aaron and I sat, sat down on Thursday night and we watched it uh, till the first break. Oh. Uh, I, I had a radio oh, okay. commitment on Friday morning that I had to be up early for. Mm. So we, we put the shutters down. But then um, after work Friday night, it's no Friday night movie night at the Ellis House. It was, why don't we uh, roll out the IPL auction again? And I thought, that's the kind of thing I should be suggesting. But it was coming from other quarters of the house. So, uh, yeah, we might talk more about that uh, a bit later on, there you go. Robbie. But uh, let's have a quick break now. And Jack Clifton after that, and then a bit more domestic cricket and a bit of mailbag in today as well. So make sure you stay with us right here on the Cricket Library Weekly. And joining us on the Cricket Library Weekly, 
For the very first time, it's a very warm welcome to Jack Clifton, our man on the ground at the SCG for the Sheffield Shield. Great to have you on board the Cricket Library Weekly. Very excited, Matt. You know I'm a big fan of, uh, of the Cricket Library now that I've started uh, taking away some of your books from the Cricket Library. <laughs> uh, you sent me, the, you sent me the, the Taylor Years book uh, during the week and, uh, yeah, no, very, very happy. I uh, love your podcast, mate. You're doing a great service to cricket, so, yeah, very happy to to be on and, and chatting about the Sheffield Shield. And speaking of great services to, to cricket, what a contest the Sheffield Shield has mm. been over many years. You've been you've been covering it for cricket.com.au uh, on the live stream for a number of years now. And Victoria, they just seem to have the wood over New South Wales, don't mm. they? Yeah, they do. It's, I think it's been stretched to eight matches now. It's just, yeah, it doesn't matter what kind of form Victoria and what kind of form... Um, New South Wales is in. It always seems to trend towards the, the Vicks getting the chocolates at the end of the day. And yeah, they've, um, I don't know what, if it's a mentality thing. You hear a lot of people, uh, in sport talk about it, Maddie, when, um, yeah, when on top, particularly when you think of your rugby league, Canberra had a, a long track record against the mice and George Hall Dragons. And <laughs> it, it almost seems to fire at the players when they come up against a rival. Yeah, so when you're, when you're playing sides uh, like that, that you, you've got a bit of wood on and uh, you've got a bit of rivalry, rivalry with, uh, then, yeah, I think you can just kind of, yeah, promote that, that interest in, in wanting to keep that going. And that's what uh, Victoria's been able to do. Uh, the last few meetings, I think it's dated back to four years on the calendar now, Maddie, that New South has won against them and uh, they've got a chance to rectify it playing uh, the Victorians next week, but uh, it's going to be another tough ask for them. Yeah, good toss to win for Victoria, getting New South Wales uh, on the on the back foot early, all at one sixty five. Some some good resistance from Moses Enriques. He made sixty seven mm. there and and chewed up a fair bit of time as well out in the middle. But yeah. what, what what a good good attack this is for Victoria. The likes of James Pattinson with a new ball, Scotty Boland, Mitchell Perry coming into the side. He he did a great job uh, working over uh, Stephen Smith, one of the, the premier yeah. cricketers in the world. Uh, and then you throw in Will Sutherland and John Holland. It's it's a, a pretty complete bowling unit that Victoria put out there. Yeah, they've got some really talented bowlers. And I think James Pattinson probably bowled better than his figures indicated. Um, he also played pretty nicely with the bat in that second innings when Victoria were, were chasing runs towards the end of the third day. Very, yeah, as you mentioned, Matt, very complete attack. They just know what is expected of them from the coaching staff, and Chris Rogers has obviously got them very well drilled. Uh, they're a very fit side, but, yeah, the bowling was, was very impressive. It's, there's such a production line down there in Victoria. Um, yeah, you talk about Mitch Perry coming in, only his uh, third first-class game. Uh, Will Sutherland's still in the infancy of his career as well. That was only his ninth appearance for the Victorians in the longer format of the game. And these guys just have so many uh, good players to learn from and, and, and uh, someone like a John Holland and a James Pattinson that's played a lot of first-class cricket can just be really good to nurture some of these, these young talents coming through. But they, they bowled uh, particularly well. I, I don't think it was an easy pitch to bat on. Uh, it was a, a little bit tacky and a little bit soft in sections and the bounce wasn't very true. It was very difficult to to play through the line when you see someone like a, a Stephen Smith that's struggling to time the ball on that SDG uh, strip, then you know it's probably a pretty difficult pitch to bat on. Uh, but you've still got to bowl in the right areas, um, something that India did in the Test Series against Australia and something that, that the Victorians were able to do against New South Wales. So I thought it was a very complete bowling performance, um, apart from Henriquez in the first innings and Abbott swashbuckling, swashbuckling knock in the second dig. There really wasn't any New South Wales batsmen that really got settled against that Victorian attack. And someone who looked like they were batting on a different pitch, Nick Maddinson. What a oh, what, yeah. what a performance from him. 77 from 80 balls. Backing up the century he scored against New South Wales at the same venue mm. around the same time last year. I think he, he made 195 in in the mm. other innings of that game as well. Uh, he, he looked a class above in Victoria's first innings of All Out for 200. Yeah, it's remarkable when you when you look back at the scorecard and you see that players like Stephen Smith and Moses Henriquez and the likes, Peter Neville, all class players have 
really had to, to scrap and fight their way to, to get any runs on the board. And then Nick Badminton went out there and played it like it was a game of Shane Warne Cricket 99 <laughs> with the Chiefs on. Just uh, smacking the ball to all areas of the park. It was just, yeah, it was amazing to watch. And, and probably really laid the platform for Victoria in that game. I think they probably missed the beat a little bit in that first inning. Uh, it didn't cause any drama down the track because they're able to, to dismiss New South Wales cheaply in the second dig and then knock off the required runs. But I thought Madison laid a really good platform along with Marcus Harris and Peter Hanscom in that top four to put him in a, in a good position. Uh, but yeah, Madison playing some, some really classy shots. And I know he's had his chance with Australia and he played in those three tests, two against the South Africans and one against Pakistan. But with the issues that Australia have in the middle order, if Nick Madison keeps getting runs in the manner that he is and knocks over a few more centuries uh, by the end of, of this calendar year or the end of this Australian summer, then if I'm a selector, Matt, I'm, I'm looking towards him, maybe not slotting him straight into the 11, but at least putting him uh, maybe in an Australian A-tour or an Australian A-squad or at least having him around that Australian team as well. And then you've got him as a, a really smart builder, uh, ground builder, probably similar in a similar vein to, to Glenn Maxwell and Bowles. Uh, handy uh, left arm spin as well, which can uh, can be very uh, very helpful for for Australia in in any format of the game. But he's one I would certainly keep an eye on, and and he's got years ahead of him as well. He's only young; I think he's only 27 or 28, uh, Matto. And um, yeah, he's certainly taken his opportunities since he's uh, moved down south there to Victoria, having had uh, a quite accomplished career with New South Wales. Yeah, coming into the prime of his career at at the moment, Nick Maddinson, someone else who's certainly uh, not showing any signs of wavering, the GOAT, 6 for 21. What a performance from the great man. 16 overs, 8 made and 6 for 21. Turned the game around. Bowled New South Wales back in into a position uh, which was competitive. Uh, how good's the GOAT going? You, you saw him live. W- what was it like? Yeah, brilliant bowling. Just a subtle... Uh, subtle changes uh, in a little bit of turn and a little bit of flight. Uh, just, yeah, little changes in amongst the balls that it's very hard to get away as well, man. I think that's the thing that you really pick up uh, when you're at the, at the game, um, when you're watching from uh, behind the wicketkeeper's position, which is where our commentary box is situated in the in the John Bradman stand. Uh, I think on TV you can look at someone and think, oh, yeah, they're only bowling 75, 80 k's an hour. Surely it's easy enough for someone to hit them away, but just so difficult with, with Nathan Lyon. He really tires Batsman down and would have been pleasing for him because he, he probably doesn't have the flashiest uh, Sheffield Shield record with the ball. 6-21 uh, were his best uh, Sheffield Shield figures. He's obviously been great uh, in Australian colours and there's a reason that he's nicknamed the GOAT, the, the most successful Australian off-spinner of all time. Uh, but yeah, I thought he, he just bowled. Uh, his subtleties were, were really nice. Uh, he flighted the ball really well and and just really tied the batsman down. Not easy in that situation when uh, the ball's not coming onto the bat and you've got someone like Nathan Lyon that's just almost having it on a string, dropping it short uh, of a length on that middle stump and off stump line. Very, very difficult to try and get the ball away in those circumstances. And against some inexperienced players like your, your Jake Fraze McGurk uh, and Seb Gotches uh, down in that middle to lower order, uh, he really had a field day. And, and unfortunately for, for, for Nathan, uh, the New South Wales batsman couldn't take advantage of, of the great bowling that he did because he got them right back in the game. I think there was only a 33-run deficit uh, in that first inning, or 35-run deficit, uh, and they would feel, no doubt, New South Wales, that that was a little bit of a missed opportunity there that uh, when uh, Lyon brought them back into the game with that brilliant six-wicket haul, uh, that they couldn't go on uh, with the job. But that takes nothing away from his bowling performance. Very talented bowler and uh, doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. A magnificent player for Australia and a very lucky player for the New South Wales to, to have um, in, their, uh, in their, their system there as well as um, kind of, I guess, coaching some of those younger, younger players coming up through the system, whether that be uh, spin bowlers or some of the pace bowlers they got around the, around the squad as well. You, you did mention Jake Fraser-McGurk there. Great to see him... Uh... Mm close out the match really for Victoria 38 not out in that second innings uh, a young player new on the scene new to first class cricket uh, looking like uh, he's he's going to make a home for himself in this Victorian middle order yeah I think it was a really pivotal innings um, he struggled a little bit in the in the first knock uh, but that 38 I think is going to be worth uh, more much more than 38 runs when when he looks back on it maybe at the end of his career or maybe a couple of years down the track yeah you're up against uh, the two opening bowlers for Australia and the Australian off-spinner on a pitch that 
is an easy bat on, um, and he came in in a very uncertain position where Victoria were with a chance of potentially losing that game late on the third day. So that's, that would be worth a century in, in other circumstances and other pitches and other attacks around Australia for Jake Fraser McGurk. I thought he showed a lot of maturity. He didn't try and hit the ball too hard. He didn't try and uh, hit out, which I think can be um, the temptation sometimes for younger players when uh, they're being tied down uh, or they're in a bit of an awkward situation. They don't, they don't really know how to deal with it. Uh, it can be uh, just trying to dance down the track and hit a player, uh, hit a bowler over the top to break the shackles. But he played some good shots. He just waited for the ball and played a lot of nice little guides down towards third man, a couple of nice cut shots and a couple of good pull shots onto the onside as well. So I think he's got a bright future. I'm not going to uh, throw his name up in light like a lot of uh, media personalities seem to do with good young players, but I think he can be uh, a really good, solid first-class cricketer for Victoria. And again, they've just got this funny knack of producing quality middle-order batsmen. Uh, Peter Hanscom is a great uh, uh, chance of, of, of rediscovering some of that early form. Could he potentially be, be breaking back uh, into the test team. He's been a great performer for a long time. And Jake Fraser McGurk, almost in, in the same mould, a player that's already got a, a first-class 50 next to his name. And, and maybe this innings against New South Wales might just be a bit of a springboard for him to find a bit of consistency uh, now that he gets some more first-class games under his belt, Matty. Yeah, absolutely, Jack. Well, we do get to see the rematch uh, 25 February Bankstown Oval, New South Wales taking on Victoria again, certainly from my point of view. I know I, we, we do have a lot of Victorian listeners on the program who'd be up and about at the moment, but certainly as a very proud New South Welshman, I'm hoping they can turn things around in that one at the Bankstown Oval on 25 Feb. Thanks so much for joining us, Jack. Uh, looking forward to hearing more of your commentary uh, throughout the summer and thanks for all the great work you do bringing us the action into our living rooms or into our workplaces, into our um, cars, if we're lis- <laughs> l- listening. A lot, a lot of us, like, we listen to the Shield commentary almost like a radio call in, in some respects. Mm. I know if I'm on a drive, I'll I'll have the the audio feed coming through just so yep. I can keep up with the action. It's, it's a, a great era to be a cricket fan with so much accessible cricket available to us and uh, loving every minute of it. And thanks so much for joining us on the Cricket Library Weekly. Yeah, no dramas, Matt. Hopefully I'm not getting too many people in trouble at work or school or uni <laughs> or whatever. I know it can be a temptation just to have Weddings. the phone or the iPad or the tablet out with, uh, with the New South Wales uh, match on. But yeah, absolute pleasure to, to bring coverage to people. I think Cricket's the greatest game in the world, and I know a lot of your listeners will probably agree with me. And, uh, yeah, great that there's a lot of access to the Sheffield Shield with some, some great players and, and some great highlights. And, yeah, it's been a pleasure to last 15 or so minutes chatting cricket with you, Matty. So th- thanks so much for having me on. Hi, this is Danny Wyatt. I'm letting you know about Roadside Reviews, the greatest cricket books ever written, reviewed on the side of the road by Matt Fiction and Matt Alice. Check it out today at thecricketlibrary.com. Hope I get one. And yes, of course, the cricketlibrary.com getting lots of hits at this time of the year, Robbie. And another site that's getting a lot of hits at this time of the year is cricket.com.au with their magnificent Sheffield Shield coverage. And, and what a game this one was. Tasmania up against Queensland. Queensland, a remarkable run chase, winning by four wickets at the end, oh no, three wickets at the end of proceedings yeah. in, in that one, seven for 310 and uh, a great performance all round from the Queensland Bulls. Yeah, it was, it was a great game of cricket, just like the New South Wales game, a really interesting game. Um, some good achievements, but uh, Caleb Jewell with the bat. Yeah, you know, good to see him back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, he's a good player, you know, he got 140, um, uh, Brendan Doggett picked up four wickets, which was good. So, and then, but probably the standout, I'll see he was man of the match. Um, Joe Burns, Matty, he was a, well, he didn't win the game for him in the second innings in the run chase, but I'll tell you what, I reckon he won the game for him what he did in that first innings. Yeah, 171. Uh, magnificent performance from Joe Burns, who played in that test match that Australia won at the Adelaide Oval earlier in the summer, yep. and then found himself out of favour. Great to see him back scoring runs at first-class level. And it's it's a great little period, isn't it, where we've got lots of shield cricket with, with some of the 
test players available to play. So great opportunity for the likes of Joe Burns and Usman Kawaja, who finished 115 not out in Queensland's yeah. second innings to put their names forward for the big one, the Ashes coming up. But mate, wasn't it the Queensland that first thing that after Labuschagne who made forty nine, I think they had, they'd put on a century stand. They were one for one hundred and twenty four, and then all of a sudden that's seven for one hundred and sixty one. It was just one of those games that obviously must have been a really good wicket for both teams there. And um, you know, Tassie didn't do a lot wrong, but set up that run chase at the end. And as you said, uh, Usman Khawaja, his experience got him over the line there. Uh, really good innings, and, and again, Labuschagne as you said. 78, um, caught behind by Timmy Payne, but Uzi just uh, um, batting at number four. He's going to make Queensland really hard to beat in the Shield final. There's no doubt. I, I think they, I think they can get through now, Matt. And um, yeah, yeah. Just but another good game of cricket. I'm just loving the Shield cricket we're seeing on on you know TV, whether it's through Cricket Australia Network or Fox or KO. Uh, it's just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, Robbie. And Queensland sitting on top of the Sheffield Shield ladder at the moment. They're on 24.48 points at the top of the ladder. New South Wales in second place, despite their loss to Victoria. They're on 17.99. Then you've got Western Australia on 14.36. All three of those teams have played four games. Victoria, they've played just the three games. They're on 13.68. Tasmania, five games on 8.12. So that's a bit of a worry for them. And then South Australia sitting down the bottom on 4.24 points. And so hey, Matt, to... just on that, with Tassie, our good friend uh, from Glasgow, Fraser Middleton, is he also followed Tasmania in the Shield? I'm not 100% sure on that mm. one. Maybe he, he can write in. He? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, finds, he finds a winning team and tries to... Tries jump to on board. jump on board. Um, mm. He jumped on board that cane train probably a little bit too early. But um, some big games coming up, Robbie. Uh, 25th to 28th Feb, New South Wales v Victoria. Rematch there, that one at the Bankstown Oval in Sydney. And then WA up against South Australia, uh, that one from the mighty Wacker Ground in Perth. Big fan of the Wacker yeah. Ground in Perth. Good to see that's, good to see cricket back at the Wacker. Yeah, always good to see cricket at the Wacker. So looking forward to seeing how things pan out there, Robbie. And we had the Marsh One Day Cup on as well. Last week, New South Wales winning by 59 runs against Victoria. Patrick Cummins having his debut with the lowercase c with the brackets around it beside his name. Did, yep. a, did a very good job, didn't he, really? Um a big win for New South Wales. He got 49 with the bat, got some wickets with the ball. Stephen Smith, 127 with the bat. Just like shelling peas for him, really, isn't it, at that level? And uh, what is it, a nice little uh, 54 from James Pattinson off just 36 balls for the Victorians. Can hit the ball very yep. cleanly, James Pattinson. Half century as well. Well, Matt, yeah. I'm just going to throw something at you here. This is something... I think Australian selectors need to consider strongly. And you just mentioned James Pattinson with the bat. I'm also going to throw in the skipper, Paddy Cummins with the bat. 49 or 30 balls. Hey, he finally hit the ball. I've, now, I've noticed uh, probably the last 18 months, Pat Cummins has been very defensive coming to the crease. Yep. I think with Australia's current middle order woes, one of the, one of the biggest priorities at the moment for Australian when they're picking a test team is make sure, well, Pat Cummins is going to be there. James Pattinson should play because he is a very good batsman. If you've got if you've got Green uh, coming in at six, you've got Payne seven, coming, uh, Pattinson eight, Cummins at nine, you have got a very good batting lineup. And I know it, with, in a funny way, you would have your number eight and nine batsmen protecting what is currently a very fragile middle order. And I think, we are desperately going to need that. So I hope James Pattinson can really stay fit because he's got a massive role to play in that Australian side and with the bat as much as the ball. He's a beast with the ball as well, isn't he, big Jimmy Pattinson? Yep. And a, a real enforcer-type yeah. bowler as well. So, Agreed. A uh, Merv Hughes type. Yeah. Yeah, he is. You know? He is. But um, I was really glad to see Paddy Cummings. He is such a good batter. And I'm... I'm you know, I don't mind putting my hand up. I did say 
three years ago, Pat Cummins one day will make a test century. You did well, actually. If you had to watch him bat, yeah. If you had to bat, if you had to watch him bat in the last twelve months or so, he's been a bit. Of, he's just been in his shell too much. I'd like to see him express himself more like he did at North Sydney Oval, and uh, yeah, just loosen them up a bit. So we, we badly need. I think we become a very good side if we've got that sort of ability coming in at eight and nine because it plays a big part of cricket these days. Days are gone where you just have a set six keeper four bowlers. You've got to, the more players you can have capable. With the stick, it means you know you get, you get a bit more versatility with your attack. So, yeah, just, that's just a little one for mine there. Bit, Matt. A, bit of food for thought there, Robbie, and yeah, uh, some good food, way to put it. Some food for thought as well. Um, Jordan Silk, oh, is he? Thank is you. he just sort of flying under the radar a little bit? He he's very impressive again today for Tasmania, seventy-seven for them. Big Billy Stanwake. Four for 24 yeah. with the ball. And uh, Matt Kuhneman, three for 47 as well. Queensland getting the job done in the run chase pretty swiftly. Usman Khawaja, more runs for him. Uh, 93. Yeah. And Ellis. I've got to mention oh. Ellis getting three wickets, don't I? Three for 39. You do? Yeah, well, I was bold. going to mention it. Yeah. It was in the rundown notes, I've noticed you sent through. Yeah, yeah. it was but in bold in the rundown notes, actually. But uh, yeah, I, I won't ask that other question you had there too, man. I think, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, that's yeah. good. No, that's I good. think people know he's not related. I think we've, everyone knows he's not related to you at the moment. I haven't made an official comment on that, Robbie. Fair enough. But I do, I do love um, taking screenshots of the scorecard. Where it's, I know you do. Whereas Marnus Lavashane, LBW Ellis, or <laughs> or or Court Court Rainbird bold Ellis. I love it. I don't mind that. I've got a, a nice no, little stash good. of screenshots there for uh, showing the grandkids at some stage. Yeah. Uh, now, Robbie WNCL as well. Like it's been a feast of cricket. You were calling the action over the weekend, a, a couple of games over the weekend. You, you were covering the Victoria ACT Meteors game, and Meg Lanning, she is just yeah. a class above, isn't she? Another uh, Meg Lanning masterclass. Was it interesting game that one? Maddie was scheduled the Junction Oval. They got sent out to Blacktown on the number two oval there at uh, Blacktown International Sports Park. Uh, the Meteors, Ange Reeks, uh, former guest um, on the Cricket Library Weekly, um, she sent Victoria in. And the ball was moving around a lot, but they just could not get the edge. They mm. Victorians rode their luck a bit. But when you get sent in, um, I think you deserve a little bit of luck. And yeah, and Meg Lanning played an absolute beauty. Um, very <laughs> unlucky. Got a low full toss. Got out. Quarter, very good catch at square leg by Beck Carter, but they were just too powerful, Matty. That that side they've got at the moment, it's got nine internationals in it. Yeah. If you include Kim Garth, who's now um, going to be eligible to play for Australia once she gets citizenship, they made two hundred eighty-seven. Um, Georgia Wareham hit the ball very well too. She looked really good. And the other good news for Australian cricket was mm-hmm. Elise Perry bowled beautifully um, in the in, when the Vicks bowled and. Taylor Valemic, oh. sensational spell, four wickets, very quick spell of bowling. So two wickets in the first then, over, Robbie. Yes, yep, and just that Victorian side, Matty, that is so strong. But the, the batting depth they've got there is just—it's almost ridiculous. They've got, you know, Sophie Molyneux and Balani opening up. Then you've got Meg Lanning, Alice Curry, Annabelle Sutherland, George Wareham, Kim Garth. She's no slouch with the bat. Obviously, made twenty-one. So yeah, they're a very good side, but. The Vicks will lose a lot of those players, potentially anywhere between six to seven for that New Zealand tour, and they will not be available for the final yeah. of the WNCL. So it's going to test their depth. And great to see, too, uh, we mentioned former guest of the Cricket Library Weekly, Angela Reeks, a half-century yeah. for her, well-deserved half-century. And she's leading the team really well. She's setting a really positive tone down there at the ACT Meteors. And uh, the other game, would you call it a bit of an upset, the the result there? South Australia, maybe not so much the result, but the, the way that it yeah. was done, uh, an eight-wicket victory for the Scorpions against the Fire. Yeah, 
I suppose it was the ease of the victory, Matty, wasn't it? That probably surprised a lot of us. Chasing 170, but Matt, at the end of the day, Queensland only making 170, bowled out in 39.3 overs. So um, just not quite enough. And then Scorpions, a really good run chase, just very well balanced. Um, yeah, they're, they're impressive sides. Matty, they've got getting a little bit of depth there. I'm really looking forward to the game on Tuesday this week. We're recording this on a Monday evening. Um, Victoria take on South Australia at Blacktown um, tomorrow. Yeah, that will be yeah. that will be a beauty. A really, yeah, really good game that one, mate. So, um, and then no, the WNCL is looking great at the moment. It's it's beautifully balanced. A couple of sides need to get a wriggle on. Not Tasmania though. Um, four from four, if you don't mind. No, the Tassie Tigers women doing a, a, a great job sitting on top of the table in the WNCL. And uh, no surprise there, really. We've had Rachel Priest on the program oh. earlier this year. So it just does it just does show that if you associate yourself with the Cricket Library Weekly, good things can happen. And hopefully not too many good things because Tassie are playing New South Wales uh, on the 25th of February. So... That'll be a that'll be a blockbuster game down at Blundstone Arena. That one, Matt, you're right. I know of a story in regional New South Wales of a batsman, a cry for help, um, got a Cricket Library Weekly sticker sent to him to put on his bat. Mm. Hey, guess what? He's a three hundred percent increase on his um, batting average for that the is, season. That How is about outstanding. That? Yeah, so, and so it's just little. Little things like that, they just go a long way. And just um, if you are listening and thinking, where do I get one of these bat stickers? It's quite simple. Just get in touch with us at 101R Bungle Gumby Road, Burrabadine, New South Wales, yep. 2830. Drop us a postcard. Make sure you put your return address on there. And um, Matt Fiction, our resident cricket librarian, uh, has been allocated some budget to to send out yep. uh, send out those in the mail, and he has been sending them out feverishly. Oh. I noticed I noticed a tweet from uh, uh, form uh, former contributor to Matt's mailbag, Sam Devlin, on Twitter. She put a tweet out today with some goodies she'd received from from Matt, and make sure you do it. Make sure you send us a postcard. Yeah. And um, we'll do the rest here at the Cricket Library Weekly. Speaking of mailbag, we, we might do that in just a moment, Robbie. But f- before we get there, can we talk IPL auction just briefly? We don't need to, to overdo it. A lot's been said about it. But just the whole spectacle. Had you ever watched one before? Sorry, Matt, could you repeat that question, please? Oh, so, uh, had you ever watched the uh, IPL auction before? Like, a, oh, was this your debut? No, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I was trying to think if you were asking me, have I ever watched the replay of it? No, because <laughs> I know you. I, yes, I, no, that was my that was my debut, to be honest, to watch it. And yeah. I must admit, um, Kathy, my wife, she is, likes her cricket. Well, she's got her, and she? She sat down and watched it, and she got quite intrigued. She was my, because um, she's an accountant by trade, mm. she was doing all the conversions, what the money's worth and all that for me, which was really That's handy. very helpful. Then we sort of got into it, and I enjoyed the Englishman who was the sort of the auctioneer. He had a nice bit of English wit about him. I thought he was good. And, but I tell you what, I enjoyed it, but not to the extent where I watched the replay like another <laughs> member of this Cricket Library Weekly. Well, I tell now, you, I tell I'm you. assuming well, – I'm assuming the only reason you would have watched the replay was to confirm that did Chris Morris really get that theme? He actually because did. He, he he got it the second oh, okay. time around as well. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, I was. There you go. Uh, I was a bit surprised to the extent the bidding was going in that direction. There, um, my wife um, was really good at kind of looking at the the groups on the table. And she had the groups uh, sort of uh, clustered into the hotheads and the nerds. So each oh, it. It, it, yeah. each yeah. table would have a would have a hothead who was just keen to bid and get that paddle up. Yeah. And then around them were were the advisors, sort of saying, "How? Hang on a minute. Uh, do we really want to go past the three million dollar mark here?" Uh, <laughs> we might we might be out of our depth here, and yeah, and it yeah. was just that really. Um, uh, and, and the lady from the Kings Eleven Punjab, we we loved watching her. 
Um, my wife um, nicknamed her the princess because she felt she looked really, she really did look the part. Very elegant, yeah, very, yeah, um, yeah. just very uh, regal, I think, um, is, is how you could describe her. And um, we could see her, she was really keen to get a couple of players, but Royal Challengers just, in the end, just kind of went too high. And, and she was forced yep. forced yep. forced to make some changes. And I think that would be the most challenging thing is, okay, in your mind you're thinking, I want Glenn Maxwell. And yep. so you bid yep. for Glenn Maxwell and then it just goes north too fast and then you've got to think, okay, oh, well, if I can't have Maxwell, I'm going to get Chris Morris and I'm just going to pay whatever it takes to get Chris yeah. Morris. Yeah. And then you end up with Chris Morris and you paid more for Chris Morris than you would have for Glenn Maxwell. So... Um, it's fascinating stuff. I, I loved it. I loved the body language. I, I, I loved watching, um, I loved watching the way and, and trying to predict whether they were going to bid again or not. Uh, that was, yep. that was one of the, one of the things we loved about it at our house. We were like, yeah, they're going hard here. They are just going to keep yeah. putting that paddle up. And um, I might even watch it again, Robbie. You got me excited oh, here. No. But no. I, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if I do. But um, certainly certainly a spectacle and a real eye-opener. Yeah. yeah, real eye-opener. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's plenty of money there, isn't it? So, and there's a lot of tactics behind it too. Like some, some of the franchises are trying to um, make other franchises spend more money so they've got less to get on other players mm. and all this. and. And our, our, our good friend, um, Gav Joshi, who's um, been a contributor to the Cricket Library Weekly podcast as well, he preempted that uh, Jai Richardson could go for a nice little whack. And uh, that's exactly what happened. So he's certainly always got that finger on the pulse of our Gav. He certainly does. And, and just sort of that, um, he, he sort of indicated that it was the, the death bowling that might be something that yeah. the, the, yeah. the different franchises might be looking to shore up their stocks in in that respect and that's certainly the way yeah, the bidding ended up yeah that's interesting one though Matt I reckon Jai Richardson for mine I think he's more of a wicket taker in that first over I agree ball. yeah yeah anyway, that's, uh, good luck to him that's good what a great what a great feel for a young fellow like that you know who's had some injury concerns and now he's um well he's uh He'd be on good terms with his bank manager, and I reckon there'd be some real estate <laughs> around, around Perth knocking on his door. Oh, wouldn't there ever? But the the only glaring um, omission from the IPL auction, or the glaring oversight from all of the franchises, not the, Nathan Ellis. Well, that was one. Um, but oh. the biggest one, the Cricket Library Weekly medalist, the inaugural Cricket Library Weekly medalist, Alex Hales. Yeah. Unsold. What a rebuke that is. Do a, do they listen to the podcast? No, they don't, obviously. Well, have they been under a rock for the last three months? <laughs> well, yeah. or, or were they only were they only following the vote count until it was embargoed and, well, and they haven't they haven't downloaded the episode we announced the winner? And he, I'll throw another one at you. Moen Khan. Didn't he get a nice little lick? Oh, Moen Ali. Oh, so not Moen, Moen Ali. Oh. oh. <laughs> Goodness me. You'd think he'd won, you'd, you'd think he'd won back-to-back Cricket Library Weekly medals the <laughs> way things were going there. But and oh, anyway, right. if someone could please pass on our details to the owners of each of the franchises to have a listen to get their intel because we're we're happy to help. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Get on board. We could be inundated now. Careful, <laughs> careful what you wish, careful what you wish for, because I'm not sure we've got budget in the cricket library to, to um, answer all that. No, uh, we probably don't. Uh, speaking of of the mailbag, let's let's have a look at that in just a moment, Robbie. We'll take a quick break, and right, then we'll um, we've got a really good question from from Dylan that came through on the electronic ma- mailbag via Twitter, and we'll check that out in just a moment. <laughs> We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly and time for one of our most popular segments, popular all around the world, this one, Matt's Mailbag. Traditional way to get in touch with us is via postcard 
101R Bungle Gumby Road, Barabadee, New South Wales, 2830. And on a rare occasion like tonight, we do take electronic questions. And this one's come in from Dylan. Dylan's a, a fan of the show. And he picked up on something that I said that wasn't correct. Oh, oh not again. No. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, anyway, he said, he said, did I hear you call the Tigers the Raw? Yes, you did, Dylan. I got that. I, I'm one of those things that gets in the in the yes. head. And he said it, it. It got me thinking about the nicknames of the state teams. Some have diff, different nicknames for the men's and the women's. And he's uh, said New South Wales, Queensland, and South Australia. They've got different ones. Uh, Tasmania yep. the same, and no nicknames for WA and Victoria. And then he's gone on to say, I understand the reasons behind this, but I wonder what the fans think. Old habits die hard, yeah. and I still call the WA the Warriors, as that's what I grew up with. And yeah, good on him. I think, um, I think that's just what happens to me. Like I get in talking about WNCL, and I I've still got the name, the Tasmanian Raw, in the back of my mind, and that's kind of my default setting. It's very hard to switch that's fine. to the Tigers. That's fine, mate. But yeah, um, that'll happen over time. That will happen over time, Matt. Anytime there's change, it doesn't happen straight away. But you're warm for that. That's, that's why I think New South Wales Breakers got it right the first time. Absolutely nailed it. And, hey, it was a breakthrough moment in sport. They are record breakers as a side. And why Why would you ever want to change it? That is absolutely brilliant. I love it. New South Wales Breakers have nailed it. Queensland Fire yep. seem to have it right there. But the South Australians are the Scorpions. Not the Redbacks. Another lethal... Yeah. Another lethal... Like a Redback is a lethal spider. Scorpion, is that a insect? What is it? Yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't know what the the, the official nasty. scientific definition. I think we need to get Matt Fiction on to explain that a bit further right. for us. But it, it, it it's a deadly, a deadly creature that could cause you some creature. serious concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Like a redback, so they've sort of followed the same there. Victoria now have gone. They were the Victoria Spirit, from what I remember. Yeah, and the Victorian um, Bush Rangers in the men. Yep, and now they're just the Victorian women. Yep. Uh, Tasmania have gone. Your friends from the Raw past. Yeah. Now the Tasmanian Tigers women. I don't mind that actually. Uh, West, the Tassie Tigers. Yeah, go like the Tigers. Go to Tigers. Um, West Australian women. I don't know what you. What were they? Previous? They were the Fury, you... Western Fury. Yeah, and I, I still slide into that. I, I we had Piper Cleary yeah. on recently, and I, I'm fairly sure I slipped into referring to them as the Fury when I was speaking with her as well. Um, I reckon you might have, because the the very first WNCL game I attended was at the Wacker. Okay. Uh, the Breakers v. Well. It was New South Wales VW. I might even get the cricket library to tweet out the program. I've got it here in the library, actually. It was back when it was the New South Wales Institute of Sport um, yep. brand branding for the New South Wales team. But yeah, they played. They played the Western Fury, and um, the Western Fury had a a sticker, which yeah. which had the Western Fury logo on it, and it had in big big writing, "Girls play cricket." www.wacker.com.au. So it was after the internet had started, but um, yep. it just stuck in my mind the fury, the fury branding there. But um, the Bulls, I think the Bulls were one of the first teams to kind of bring in, like to go down that American kind of branding yeah. track. And I think it's worked really well for them. And I think if I, I can understand what Dylan's saying about the fans, I wonder what the fans do think about, like if you're yeah. if you're growing up and you're supporting the Western Warriors as your cricket team, and then you're you're in your twenties and your thirties, when do you like do you lose a bit of an affiliation if 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 you lose the name? Yeah, I think it turns the kids. I guess the first impression the kids have, if you look in the states, are the, through the BBL and the WBBL. So, yeah. um, and then and then they just find out about this other form of cricket, you know, which is you know your shield cricket and that. So, yeah, 
Um, it's a yeah, it's a good little choice. I I still think the Queensland Bull though, uh, Matt. If you if you look at maybe the Brahmin Bull, which is pretty prominent throughout regional Queensland. Yeah, you know, I think I think the Queenslanders would would like to align themselves more with their Brahmin Bull than the say the Chicago Bull type thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, but and... they are very much. Their own people up there, aren't they? Oh, and I still remember Big Carl Rackerman with the yes. bull when Queensland won the Shield for the first time. There's yes. there's images there yep. of, of Big Carl with the with with the bull, like the literal bull yes. there. Uh, yeah, incredible scene. So, a, a great question, Dylan, and thanks so much for for tuning in. We do appreciate you. Um, Putting up with us, I guess, on your trips to work, listening on on your way to the work on workplace on now that things are heading back to a bit more normalcy for you. So, um, yeah, if you've got any thoughts on the team names, let us know. One hundred one R Bungle Gumby Road, Burrabadeen, New South Wales two eight three O, or any other questions. Maybe you might want to ask how many times is too many times to watch the IPL auction. Yeah, hey, that's a good one. So um, you might I'm have guessing, some. Yeah, reckon if you reckon if you watch it for the third time, you, I guess you, you're probably gonna you almost get the point where you might need some sort of medical support. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love no, it. No. Well, love you, Craig. We love it. It was all good. Yeah. Let's hope the Aussies can bounce back in the T20 series. Yeah, let's hope so. And and what a week of cricket. We've got more WNCL, more Sheffield Shield, plenty going on around the place. And who knows when we'll record our next episode, Robbie. I'm sure it'll be hopefully less than 12 days this time. I reckon it might be, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon I reckon we're a good chance. We'll tighten it up. We're, we're, we're a bit on the laissez-faire side when it comes to the specifics of how long a week actually is. Um, but we'll, we'll get that rectified. And um, if you do have a preference for when we record, let us know. You know where to find us. We're not hard to find. Uh, but, Robbie, it's time for us to say goodbye. Thanks so much for your company. A massive thanks to Jack Clifton as well for chatting Sheffield Shield with us earlier on the program as well. And we very much look forward to your company again next time. This has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now.